coming up this week off screen. We talk to Holiday Granger about the finest hours. Kurt Russell faces a bone tomahawk. Chiwetel Ejiofor calls in a triple nine. Rebel Wilson teaches us how to be single. And Julianne Moore is free held. All those to come and more off screen. This is this is off screen. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Conner. I am Case Allen. And welcome to your weekly roundup of everything setting the multiplex alight this week. So, should we should we start with how to be single? Uh, yes, let's uh, let's do that. Do you have high expectations uh, for this? Uh, kind of fair to middling, should we say? <laughs> okay, so this is from Love Rosie director Christian Ditter, and this stars Rebel Wilson, uh, Dakota Johnson, Alison Brie, and Leslie Mann. The idea is you've got Dakota Johnson, who's the good girl next door, who is uh, single for the first time, and he's taken through the New York singleton landscape by Rebel Wilson. And, uh, well, in the meanwhile, you've got Alison Brie, who's doing this sort of academic look at the online dating world. You've got Leslie Mann, who's a career woman, who decides she wants to explore having a relationship and having a child for the first time, since it lines up with her new priorities. And, well, it's effectively that awkward moment for girls. So, we have a clip. Let me teach you how to be single. Okay. Lesson one. Go get us some drinks. No, that was a trick. You don't buy the drinks. Boys buy the drinks. It's kind of like a sexual currency that they use so they're not actually paying you to hook up. So, go get us a drink. Not with not with this wallet, okay, with the sausage wallet. Which of you is buying oil right now? Hey, what's up, y'all? <laughs> I don't know why I just said y'all. You all would have taken just as much time. <laughs> and I'm not even from the South. I'm from Portland, <laughs> which is Southern from Canada. Are y'all Canadian? I just did it again. I said it again. Oh, my God. Okay, fine. So, yeah, you think Dakota Johnson's uh, got a sense of humour there? But, uh, no, she has no charisma at all, and it, I mean, she could be swapped out with Dakota Fanning, and no one would really notice on the sort of star appeal. Level I definitely prefer Dakota Fanning. Actually, you, you really yeah. would. I mean, I really love the idea that you've got an actress whose only real claim to fame outside of Fifty Shades of Grey is being Melanie Griffith's daughter, and she's there on screen telling us about how she's going to find herself. There's nothing to find. You're just Melanie Griffith's daughter. You've got Rebel Wilson, who's still trying to mine her BMI for comedic mileage six years on. Alison Brie, who is still desperately in need of that comedic vehicle worthy of her talents. And Leslie Mann, who actually turns out something half-decent here. She's given up the shrill, the nepotistic shrill thing that she's pioneered over the last but few years. But she does do that quite well, I think. Well, to be But she's branching out. Do you know who's the MVP in this one, though? Jason Manzukas. Not that much of a role for Jason Manzukas. That is a shame. Anders Home from Workaholics. Oh, I like that guy. Who, yeah, and yeah, he gets to good. play. If you if you're a fan of Workaholics, he plays somewhat somewhat of an uptight guy. Here, he's more the laid back, chill kind, mm. and it's a nice sort of playing against his TV type in a way. That's cool. It does work. Good. Now the film is chucklesome. I will give it that. There are some laughs to be had. I chuckled a few times. You can do worse. I, there are, yeah. There's yeah. some, some you know, joyfully crude humour in there. Almost all of it delivered by Rebel Wilson. Of course. What you have, yeah. though, is a screenplay at odds with its own concept. It really wants to defy convention. It really wants to be different. It really wants to be edgy. 
Yet when the chips are down, it just falls back on those conventions, the tried and tested things. You've got four subplots in this, and almost every single one of them, bar one, ends kind of where you expect it to from the onset. And you think, this is, you're, you're telling me you're going to be edgy, you're going to be different. And no. Not and at all. You've got this, and it is this booze-swilled, you know, drunk-friendly, yeah. and, uh, you know, re- comedy-reliant on, you know, that echo-voiced pop music. You could hear it in the clip. You know, the echo-voiced pop dance thing that, that all the rage in swanky singles bars wouldn't it, wouldn't know it, well yeah, yeah. Well, wouldn't know i can imagine that. you know you yeah. know what the other kind of thing you've seen enough tv to know <laughs> but uh it, it it's chucklesome but sadly not much more than that and that's a shame given what it could have been i didn't dislike it and i wasn't bored by it i was faintly amused by it and, yeah. I, and I, it kept a, it going a few giggles me. were had that's it giggles yeah. were had but you know what? It's, you can't turn around and say, "Oh, I laugh myself." Sense the most yeah. fun you could have with your clothes on. None of that. No, it, it's <laughs> uh, it's it's a best a slightly above average comedy, but I had a few laughs. You know, I can I can there live with that. So we should talk about Amy Schumer's got an interesting one. Have you, have you heard mm-hmm. about this one? She's doing the serious drama thing. She's going to do a PTSD drama called yeah. Thank You for Your Service. I have heard about this. It's, yeah. it's a bit weird because Jennifer Lawrence was actually attached to do this with Steven Spielberg. Oh, go figure. Yeah, and well, now they're BFFs, this was, this was the nice news, though. This came on the back of the news that starting in 2017, we're going to have one Transformers movie every single year. Boo. Is there literally anyone in the world <laughs> that, that one? Uh, Akiva uh, Goldsman, that's it. Akiva He's the only person happy about it, yeah. but uh, no, I'm, I'm not terribly enthused. Apparently, there's going to be a, a, a cost effective Bumblebee spin off, though. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Which, does anyone need a Bumblebee movie except for Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> <laughs> it's really about I, it. I really like B movie. <laughs> I yeah, I, I watched I it. it. I watched it over Christmas, and I was surprised yeah. to find out it's a very not so subtle it's a, it's Holocaust a, metaphor. Oh right, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, should we do the top ten for the week then? Let's do it. Number ten: Pride and Prejudice, and those pesky, pesky zombies, which I liked. I thought it was funny. It played the mashup card quite well, mm. and it was it was witty, and there were some zingers in there. And you do laugh at all the old Pride and Prejudice references, mm. and I liked the sort of there's little shades of The Walking Dead in there when it's played so deadpan. It's not silly. They they play it kind of straight and I do like the cast for that I like Lily James in there I particularly like Sam Riley as Colonel Darcy uh, but of course you know it's all about Charles Dance and Lena Headey isn't it and, always of course it yeah. is and you're, you're a Game of Thrones of alumni but MVP Mr Matt Smith as Mr Collins he is so funny in this he absolutely stole the show for me number nine Star Wars Force Awakens that is so good you, you like yeah, having a lightsaber effect this because it's automated Definitely. now we used to put it in manually but it's now okay. automated um, do you know what it's, it's taken nine weeks it's down to number nine um, I think everybody on the planet has seen it at this point just about yeah just about it's made all the money yeah and we've, I'm, we've had to print some more money they, and they have taken invented back. new levels of currency <laughs> Particularly yeah. for this film, and I'm Lucas Bucks. I think they're Lucas Bucks. <laughs> he's got Yoda's Bucks. face in the center. Episode yeah. eight has now officially started filming as of this week. Have you, have you watched the video? I, I have not watched the the announcement. He's no, but I'm I'm very mm. excited. I thought the film was terrific. It delivered, and then some. Number eight, Spotlight. Which was excellent, I thought. It was a really too, riveting, yeah. really compelling thriller. I was really intrigued by it. And I love the cast. I thought Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Liev Schreiber. Slattery. Slattery. Yeah. You know, and and, and uh, Billy Crudup turned up as well. Oh, and, yeah, in a brief and, role. He's, he's good, him. And we're forgetting Stanley Tucci, who, of course, is always, always great. Stanley Tucci in a different wig. In a different wig. But Todd McCarthy, real star of this film, really delivers suspense and intrigue mm. to a 
film about journalism and checking your sources and doing some typing. And I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. And I thought it was terrific. I, I can't wait to see it again. I mean, I've seen it the once. I can't wait to see I've this one again. I've seen it two again. times now. Two times. Two times. Number seven. Dirty Grandpa. <laughs> I love saying that. Dirty Grandpa is slipping out of the charts now. And I think a lot of people are kind of happy about it. A lot of critics are anyway very happy about it. I didn't think it was anywhere near as offensive as, uh, as a lot of people. I mean, it is an offensive film in terms of its comedic yeah. content. It will offend you. Quite, quite, quite possibly offend you. But its heart is in the right place. And it's crude. And it's grim. And it's dark. And it's really, really sinister in terms of its mentality but its heart is in the right place uh, Robert De Niro hasn't been this fun in a long long time uh, Zac Efron's playing slightly against type and in the best of it all you've got uh, Jason Manzoukas you've got Adam Parley and there's some great comedy in there I really Orby Plaza Orby she's Pla- really good she's so good yeah. love Orby Plaza this owns it for me number six The Revenant slipped down it has slipped down yeah. and because this isn't a rewatcher there's no rewatchability in The Revenant watch it once watch it in IMAX never see it again it, exactly and it's, it's incredible Incredible. You love it. You, you think it's an amazing film, but you know what? That that's it. You, it is a lot like Gravity for me. I think in that I I only saw Gravity. I can see one Gravity time. multiple times. To be fair, but I'm obsessed with Gravity. Okay, I only um, needed to see that one time. <laughs> Gravity and I'm a Martian for me. I can okay, just watch yeah, yeah. multiple times. Um, but in the case of uh, of the Revenant, of the Revenant. I, I just think I'm getting confused about what we're talking about. The Revenant, <laughs> it is this great whopping art piece with these terrific performances, this wonderful cinematography, this great writing, and it's it's just it's not an entertainment film. You don't watch it to be entertained. You watch it to suffer for it's your art, like an endurance trial, really. Exactly. Yeah. By the end of it, you've died and come back. <laughs> with the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. We just become like Slash with the air guitar when we do that, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) But you can't complain, it's such a good riff. So let's talk about Triple Nine. We're back, by the way. Let's talk about Triple Nine. This is the latest from director John Hillcoat, who most recently brought to us Lawless with Shia LaBeouf and Tom Hardy. This time he's gone all out with the ensemble. We've got Mm -hmm. Kate Winslet, we've got Chewie Ejiofor, we've got Norman Reedus, we've got Aaron Paul, we've got Anthony Mackie, we've got Woody Harrelson, we've got Casey Affleck. What a cast. Yeah. I mean, you've even got Clifton Collins in there. I love Clifton Collins. Clifton Collins. Yeah. And he's playing Clifton Collins. So this is the story of a, a a gang of robbers. And they're half robbers, half cops. Half of them are cops. And, and uh, they decide that in order to commit one great big heist on the behalf of the Russian mob, they're going to call in a triple nine. Golfing clap for the title there. In which, that's an officer down, in which the entire force is distracted. And this sets in motion a sort of, can we kill a cop? Can we not? Sort of a debate and well we have a clip there's got to be a different way when you suddenly get saintly because this fng wears a shield there's a difference franco and you know it really yeah how many cop funerals you've been to in the last five years huh and you tell yourself the same thing that every cop sitting there tells himself better him than me if you having a problem with this marcus i'll do it i don't have a problem taking out a cop I do a cop just like he's there with the full slick back ponytail, and good old Clifton Collins, and they say this is John Hillco. He's one of those directors for whom accessibility is never really a priority. You know, he makes his like Michael Mann in that way. I'm making the film I want to make. I'm going to try and I'll make it as entertaining as I can, yeah. but really that's not my priority. If the I'm, audience likes it, that's just yeah, gravy. I'm all about the, the film me, first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's not really... I mean, he wants to deliver this pulse-pounding, grit-soaked drama. It's yeah. all about grit. Kind of looks like heat, really. 
that's it. And it, it never quite grips you, and that's the problem. It's got grit, but no grip. And that's kind of a problem. You've got an excellent cast in there, like Chewy Tell Edge yeah. for. If a guy can turn up on a bad day, he'll turn up with a flu, he'll still be fine, kind of a thing. Yeah. And everybody, uniformly across the board, with one exception, everyone is terrific. The Who's exception that? is Kate Winslet. And I cannot, for the life of me, explain just what in the hell she's doing here. She's going for this Ruski accent. This, this like Ivan Drago type, type, yeah. type, type vocal thing, and you're like, what on <laughs> earth are you doing, Kate? And there are aspects to it that really work, and that it does have a twisty, turny plot that does grip you. And you know, certain characters have to die to propel the who's double crossing whom sort of a narrative, and they are genuine surprises. There, are, it goes into zones you don't quite expect it to. But the thing is that although it's interesting, it's not really in any, in any way entertaining. I mean, there is a fantastic sequence of the uh, police raid on a house. Uh, by Casey Affleck and two of the cops. Brilliantly shot, wonderfully shot by John Hilco. And, and that's it. He's the big name at the centre of it all. It is John Hilco's film. They The actors are there to serve him, and most of them hold themselves admirably, with the exception of Kate Winslet. I mean, even Gal Gadot turned in a better performance in this than Kate Winslet. And she's got a thankless, you know, gangster's mole kind of a role. Well, she's got Wonder Woman coming up. So. Exactly. It's just not the film you want it to be. You want it to have mm. have more, more bite and a little <clears throat> bit more energy to it. And it is quite a low-energy affair. But it is nice yeah. to see Norman Reedus in a sort of mainstream film. Though. I guess he doesn't really do them doesn't very often. I think the last thing I saw him in was Vacation. He had a, yeah, he had a, a cameo, cameo in Vacation. He was a truck driver. It was a great cameo, but it was yeah. a cameo. I do have a bit of a strange time with John Hillcoat, though, because yeah. I was not a fan of Lawless. I know you weren't. I, yeah. I, I, I found that odd. Anyway, before we get to the film we both want to rave about. Let's so, do some news. Yeah, let's yeah. do some news. We've got to talk about uh, Mr. Shane Black's latest oh, project. Yeah. Uh, now, we've known for a while that Shane Black and mm. Fred Decker, with whom he co-wrote, uh, is it Monster Squad? Not, uh, not yeah. had a release yet, has it, Monster Squad? I think it's been out in Asia, but not here. What, uh, the original? Here's, yeah, here's yeah. one. Uh, well, they have now, they're doing the Predator reboots. Yeah, they're going back to the well. They're going back to the yeah. well. A reboot call, as it were, mm. like Creed. And, oh, oh, man. I know. Yeah. But it now has a title and a teaser post. The teaser poster says, you'll never see him coming, and it unveils the title as, wait for it, The Predator. Yeah. And So we're not, we're not dealing with Predators. Or Predator 3 or Predator 4. None of that. Nope. It's just The Predator. In the same the way that Affleck's only. Batman is meant to be called The Batman. The Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll have one last bit then. We've got to talk about the villain for Fast 8 because they've offered this to oh, an intriguing yeah. choice. They offered it to Charlize Theron. And she apparently is just mulling it over at this stage. It's hers if she wants it. Is she going to be uh, Furiosa? That will be great. I, I really hope so. That's such a good crossover. <laughs> Furiosa Shaw. She's the sister. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's talk about the film. We, we are dying to talk about this, aren't we? We, we really are. This is oh, Bone Tomahawk, yeah. which is this <laughs> wonderful sort of hybrid, genre-defying western starring Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson, Richard Jenkins, Matthew Fox. And this is the story of uh, a pair of a pair of bandits played by Sid Haig and David Arquette. And I know David Arquette's in a mainstream film again. It's like the Well, 90s. he's not in it for very long. Long. Not for very long. No. Um, and they, these are a pair of bandits who accidentally disturb the ancient burial ground of a savage uh, Native American tribe. And this is set in the Old West, uh, just outside a small town called Bright Hope. Their antics cause this savage tribe to encroach into the town of Bright Hope, where they abduct David Arquette's bandit, they abduct the town doctor, and they abduct the town deputy as well. And of course, it turns out the town doctor, well, she's a bit of a fox. 
And she's married to Patrick Wilson. And Patrick Wilson, understanding that his wife is a bit of a fox, leads an expedition, well, goes on an expedition, yeah. led by Kurt Russell, the town the sheriff, sheriff, to rescue <laughs> and save the day and bring back our lovely, lovely girl doctor. And, uh, well... It's I say it's got horror in it. It's got it's an old western tropes. It's a drama. It's a road movie. It's everything all in, Just one. all in one. And it's by a first-time filmmaker to boot. Here's a clip. Mr. O'Dwyer, I need to say this to you, and I don't want you to get sore. We're making a five-day journey in three days, riding long and sleeping the bare minimum. We need to take care of these animals and ourselves. I ain't thinking about myself right now. I know you're not, which is why I'm putting this to you direct. If our horses die before we get there. We go into hostile territory, weak and foggy with exhaustion. We won't rescue anybody. The only advantage we have over these cave dwellers is being smarter. So let's not lose that. It ain't gonna be easy making camp while these savages... I know it won't, but we need to keep ourselves collected. Well, it ain't gonna be easy. Patrick Wilson and Kurt Russell there. And wow, Kurt Russell, the movie star, is back. Yeah, he is. He really, it, it really feels is. like he's never been gone With as well. That giant glorious mustache. It combo is. It's like thing. I, I oh. grew this for Tarantino. I kept it for this as well. <laughs> yeah. And this is this. Say, there's that great episode of American Dad in which Stan Smith, to prove the existence of miracles, cites the career of Kurt Russell as an as a genuine example. Mm. Is it no lull. No lull. Just 46 years, no lull. Consistence. Uh, this is by S. Craig Zala, first-time director. Uh, he has sold scripts and evidently got annoyed that they weren't getting produced. He was selling scripts that were never getting made. Mm. So he decided, you know what, to hell with this. I want to write another one and direct it I myself. It. Get it funded. And he's gone and he's delivered this. And he has proven once and for all now that... You you just can't do that to a good writer, and <laughs> yeah, wow, they'll do it better. <laughs> they will they will do it better themselves. You've got a great first time filmmaker. You've got a great star in Kurt Russell. You've got a great ensemble in Patrick great supporting Wilson. Cast, yeah, fantastic. Richard even, Jenkins. You you didn't know, but it was Richard I didn't Jenkins. know for most of the film. It's so everybody in it's so good. There's not a bad performance in the bunch. This is the first film in history you will ever walk away from and say, "Wow, wasn't Matthew Fox good in that?" He Did, was good. He was. He was yeah. Genuinely so. This is the sort of genre-fused Western Tarantino dreams of making. This might be what he actually thinks he's been making this whole time, but you know what? No, this is how you do it, Quentin. This is how it goes better. <laughs> it's this revelatory B-movie with this high-caliber... You know, massive ensemble casting. Wow, okay, this really works. It takes time to flesh out its characters. It makes it all relevant to the plot. It is visceral. It is terrifying. It's horrifying. It's entertaining. It really is. It's hilarious, but it it is terrifying and horrifying. You will recoil in absolute horror at some of the stuff in this film because it just goes into places that you don't think. Uh, Benji Bakshi, which is the best name I've ever found for a cinema. Benji Bakshi. Name of the cinematographer in this. he provides some superb visuals, I think, for yeah. it. And it is very much your sort of, we filmed nine episodes of Breaking Bad here, sort of a locale. But <laughs> Just loads of open plains and desert. But yeah. it, it does work, and it, it, it adds to this, this wonderful, this brilliant little film that just comes out of nowhere, and you come away from going, wow! I want more of it. I can't wait to watch it again. I would definitely watch it again. I, I def- I'm definitely yeah. going to. I am absolutely going to. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. 
And we're back. So, right, the finest hours is out this week. Yes, Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Holiday Granger. Casey Affleck again, so he's in two this Double week. Double Affleck. So, uh, well, we, we, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the finest hours. We're going to give that the full look over in a moment. But, okay. of course, we did have a little bit of a treat. In the meanwhile, because we got to send our boy Calvin Brickett down to the junket to speak mm. to Holiday Granger, who was doing the, the rounds for this one. So we present to you a chat with Holiday Granger on the finest hours. I noticed you've done a lot of period features mm-hmm. and series before. What challenges and benefits do these kind of roles afford you as opposed to, you know, more contemporary features? I mean, I, um, the, the period of something isn't exactly something that I focus on when I'm looking at script, but um, there is something fun about not just getting your head into a different character or, or emotions, but a different kind of set of values and a different mindset that comes with a different time period. Mm. Um, and also getting the chance to kind of research a little bit about that about mm. the time and um and obviously the the costume and makeup yeah. it means that every for like every part i play is completely different look so it kind of you know that i'm sure it makes slipping into the role a little bit easier yeah it kind of it really does it's like yeah. you sort of you kind of obviously you do your like psychological prep i suppose finding the character before you start but then once you're once you're on set it's like a really easy in and out of character every day you kind of put on the costume and it's totally different physicality different mm. uh, different feeling and it changes the way you hold yourself changes yeah absolutely yeah. finest hours isn't just a disaster movie mm. or a romance it's also something of a biopic and you mentioned the doing the research so how much did you do into miriam and the whole story of bernie's yeah. rescue well i um when i read the script i then did a, obviously did the standard google on bernie the cursory google, and yeah. the cursory google and um there is um there's a, a, a few amazing interviews with with Bernie that you can listen to of his, his own telling of the of the story and of the day, which um, uh, was fascinating to listen to. But for me, I mean, for my personal research for the character, I went out to Chatham, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is where the events took place and where actually we ended up filming. Um, and I met um, I met um, Patty, Bernie and Miriam's daughter, who took me on a tour around Chatham, and uh, we got a chance to visit the Coast Guard station and the lighthouse mm-hmm. and uh, and and step on the actual 36500 boat like the the, mm. the original boat that that um that made the rescue that day um and just listening to her talk a little bit about her family and her mum and the um the similarities between the storyline and the actual what actually happened in yeah. their in their relationship and she also introduced me to um to a contemporary of Miriam, Miriam's, which was it was supposed to be for accent, really. I kind of yeah. had gone down to um, for to record. I was hoping to record girls in pubs to kind of <laughs> or in bars to kind of for accent. Yeah. But it turns out that Chatham is now a very is now quite a, a tourist village, and, and like no one sounded like <laughs> I wanted to. Um, um, but um, but I did meet a woman who kind of had the similar kind of tone of, of voice, and uh, and she she. It was just meeting her and hearing her stories really helped me put into the mindset of the period the mm. idea of being self-assured, strong, independent woman, but still having that to- that total family values and yeah. idea of um, uh, uh, um, a strength of a belief in in marriage and um, and the idea of kind of standing by your man um, was that that would kind of really help me kind of. So I think Miriam is sort of very out of her time in her mindset. She's very assured she will just barge into a place and... Yeah, she definitely has a... uh, 
she has a self-assurity that kind of brings a confidence to defy social conventions um like proposing to her boyfriend yeah. and that being she kind of totally has the gut to go with her instinct all the yeah. time um and waltzing into his place of work demanding that his boss call him back because it feels right to mm. her um uh, but she still has the i mean she still has the like traditional values of um she meets this man she has the instinct and she knows that she wants to marry him and it's still that kind the kind of 1950s kind of I don't know, traditional family values is, is still um, yeah. still upheld in Miriam. Yeah, and um, you got to play the on-screen fiancé of Chris Pine. I which did. Which I'm sure was a massive struggle. Yeah, huge. But um, uh, how fun was that? And what was your impression of him beforehand? And did that change over filming at all? Yeah, I mean, it, it changed on the first like day. of, of, of or, or, or I'd never seen Chris play a character like Bernie before. And so in our first rehearsal... Um, I think we both kind of fell in love with the relationship between Bernie and Miriam and because he, he plays Bernie with such a so sweet and so humble and um and uh and so kind of like back back footed or kind of um his his self assurity is sort of is hidden. He's not uh, he's not as front footed and open about it as Miriam is. So whilst Chris and Casey had to deal with flooded sets and yeah. water being flung in their faces. Yeah. You sort of got the the better end of the deal. I did. For most of the part, staying indoors, in the warm. For most of it, I got to stay yeah. dry, but my lasting memories of this film is... Um, I can't actually remember being inside much at all, <laughs> because uh, uh, there was an awful lot of, like... Being of, outside in the snow. Of being outside in the snow, of the kind of, yeah. of... Or being in the car, or being in the... Um, uh, and, and yeah, and it was pretty. It was pretty chilly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of minus minus whatever on those days. I think there was one day uh, it was kind of just going dusk. The sun was setting. You could literally feel the temperature drop as you saw the sun go behind yeah. down the horizon. And Craig, the director, came up to me in between shots to give me a note. And I'm in this little 1950s dress with bare legs. And he came up to me with uh, two coats on, two fluffy coats, a hat. And like, uh, uh, like his scarf pulled up to there, and an icicle hanging from his nose. And I was like, uh, "Can I just get my coat on?" Yeah. <laughs> Calvin Prickett with Holiday Granger. There, that was his first ever one-on-one interview. Really? Oh, good I've, job. I've good, got, good I've got, I've got the you, video. Calvin. He's so sweet, and nervous. Oh, it's adorable. She loved him for it. She loved it. Really? It's great. <laughs> so, the finest hours then, which is uh, directed by uh, Craig Gillespie, who brought us Mr. Woodcock, famously, very much a oh, director for hire. Yeah, yeah. 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 So this is the story of um, an oil tanker which gets split in. Two in, 19, in, in a storm in 1952, and the U.S. Coast Guard, led by Chris Pine, um, have, Bernie Webber, as he's called, Webber, because it's New England, yeah. uh, have to basically go on a suicide mission, a full-blown, you're-gonna-die mission, in order to rescue the crew of this rapidly sinking tanker. We have a clip of Casey Affleck and the, and the gang on the tanker. That boat is too small for these seas, and this ship will be sunk by nightfall. Every fella here wants to live. The only way that happens is if we run her aground. Now we're gonna set up a watch and look out for a shoal. I need four men working the police on the emergency tiller. I need four men manning the pumps after steering. And the rest of you run a bucket line topside down below. Communicate with the engine room. And somebody keep blowing that whistle. You heard him, boys! You heard him, boys. Comes from Graham McTavish, of all people. Remember from Creed? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. He's getting around, good old Graham. He's in, was he in The Hobbit? 
He is one. Yeah. He is one of the dwarves. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't. One of the. You know, it's either Bolin or Dwalin. I can never remember the names. So this is uh, Chris Pine returning to Disaster Movie Train, which we last saw him in with uh, Unstoppable, the Tony Scott movie about the totally stoppable train over <laughs> train the size of a Chrysler building, yeah. <laughs> which was totally stoppable. That was the point of the movie. Yes. Why was it called Unstoppable? It's, never it's mind. a good title. So this is yeah your sort of true story rescue thriller. You've got Craig Gillespie at the helm, who of course directed Million Dollar Arm most recently, and like I say. Director for hire. He very much is that kind of guy. This is in no way, it's not visible in any way. This is personal to him. But this is the thing. Like Million Dollar Arm, this is a great concept for a great movie that is squandered by a simply uninteresting screenplay. Uh, unlike Million Dollar Arm, though, there are at least some engaging visuals to it. And of course, you know, it's all set on the high seas, it's mostly at night, big storm, and it is a little bit like Perfect Storm Light. Is the best way to go. But early on, when it's setting up the relationship between Chris Pine and uh, Holiday Granger, it does this RG shucks, uh, soft focus, sepia tinted sort of a, a sensibility, which kind of calls to mind the early, like the first fifteen minutes of Pearl Harbor. Only without right. the fun, without the fun of knowing that Alec Baldwin's going to turn up and say something to the effect of "Leave your damn hula shirts at home," <laughs> you know. God bless you, Alec. I say, Chris Pine's doing the whole G-Shucks routine, somewhat out of character, and it does work. You know, it, it, it is something of a surprise. Um, Holiday Granger is so wasted in this film, just such a thankless role. It's all mm. accent and, and vintage dresses and yeah. nothing else. Um, you've got, I mean, it comes alive when... Chris Pine and Casey Affleck finally get together when the uh, when the Coast Guard and the actual crew take finally unite and you have those two actors together. Like, actually, yes, this now is fun. There is a bizarre sort of appearance from Ben Foster who has done that method acting thing that he keeps doing, where instead of going thin like he did for uh, the program when he yeah, was Lance Armstrong, he's now gone full bloated. Oh really? <laughs> and you can't figure out why because you really won't remember he was in the film. I wrote it down. That's the only reason I remember he was in the Maybe film. Maybe after the programme, he just started eating lots and lots of burgers, went to Burger King. <laughs> entirely yeah. possible. Just went like, the complete opposite direction. It is entirely possible. Um, it is frothy. It is a little uneventful. It just isn't anywhere near as interesting as it needs to be. It's like an it's like a mug of Ovaltine when what you want when you want when you want is really spicy coffee. And I'd probably go for an Ovaltine about now. That's it. Sounds it's unchallenging. Like it. It's it's perfectly fine for what it is, but it it mm. won't tax you in any way, and it won't really right. engage you, and it won't really seduce you into its narrative. And that for me is a bit of a problem. It's not. Say it's the perfect storm light. If you're going to call it anything, it's it's the average storm. It's the meh storm. It's the perfectly okay. It's the perfectly, perfectly okay storm. Yeah. Uh, storm. Yeah, it isn't anybody's finest anything, let alone their hours. I knew that line was going to come up. It had to be done. It had, it had to be, be done. done. It had to be done. But it's let down. I think to be honest, I'm most disappointed in Holiday Granger because it's such a thankless non-role, and that's a shame because I really like Holiday Granger. But, I think she's at that kind of stage in her career where she's just she's getting those kind of parts. She's just, she's. I really want her. Yeah, I really want her to just to really break out. She was Cinderella, wasn't she? She was. She was. Yeah, that that was like the last thing I saw her in. She was one of. Yeah, she was the not so ugly one of the ugly sisters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which was, of course, just bizarre casting. Other but... ones from Downton. Is she? Yeah. yeah. Uh, she you know more than me. This is why our partnership works. I like Downton. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show.
And we're back and dancing. So uh, we should plug the competition and podcast. Podcast plugs. So go yeah. along to onscreenfilm.com, go in our competition section and win some swag. What swag have we got? Do you know off the top of my head right now, I absolutely couldn't tell you. We, just, we have so much stuff in there, it's hard to we remember it all the time. Yeah. yeah, It's a surprise. It's a surprise. Go in, treat yourself. And of course, if you want to listen to the extended version of this show with all the reviews that we couldn't fit into the radio broadcast, uh, just pop along to iTunes, Acast, Podcast Island, uh, even all YouTube, all all of them. We're on all yeah. of them. We're even on TuneIn, you know. Are we? We are actually on TuneIn. Wow. You can actually go on TuneIn and listen to all our shows. It's cool. I didn't even know they offered that service. <laughs> but here but, we are. But we're on there. We're Apparently, back. we we're registered back. for one thing and just turned up on another. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, go on the uh, podcast uh, edition and go to After the End Credits, and there's a whole heap more stuff. Usually, where we just, we just you know, we just we shoot just the breeze. We, do, we definitely do shoot the breeze. Shoot the breeze. We've got quite Cap a some bit wind. Cap some wind. <laughs> Cap some wind. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that. No, we don't. And then we have our moment of cage, of course. Yes. So, right, we. We should probably finish the box office top ten. Yeah, let's do it right now. Number five, Goosebumps. Goosebumps, which I love. I do think that this is this year. This is just this generation's Jumanji. Yeah, with a little right, bit of Casper. Right. And oh, I got so annoyed. I heard a review quote, and I I wish I'd come up with this one. Hit me. It's like Nickelodeon made Cabin in the Woods. How good oh, is that? that? Is- that's that brilliant, is n- isn't it? On point. That, it, that, that really is. Do you know well what? That, that's fine criticism right there. Well done. I think that was from Variety. I think it was just in Chang at Variety. Uh, I love Jack well played, Black in Chang. the film. I love the the, the sort of the horror archetypes that it sends up. Yeah. I'm a big, big fan of this film. I even saw it a second time. I loved it that much. Number four. Dad's Army. You did not love this as much. I did, did not you? love this as much. Have you had the chance to this one yet? I've not had the mm. distinct pleasure. I, it seems to me that a lot of people have been somewhat disappointed by the very unchallenged level of comedy to it. It's very much a sitcom movie. It really is that. You can mm. see the sitcom roots because there's there's no bite to the writing. There's no real heft to it all. It is very much... It's granddad humour. But the only problem is, granddad is just going to want to see the original cast and go and watch the series. Anyone younger than that really isn't going to care. Gonna it, it's, yeah. it's just uninvolving for them. And I didn't <clears> laugh once. And I, I, I'm not alone in that. Which is a real shame, given the quality of the it's cast. It's a great cast. Number three, Zoolander two or Zoolander. I-, I laughed about four or five times, I suppose. In it, that's um, not too bad. No, but it is a lot of sort of you know, let's reference current things and have some yeah. celebrity let's have cameos. Some selfie sticks. Ooh, yeah. farm to table Wi-Fi. That- that's actually a gag in the. Th- you're like, really? Okay. There's, a- there's a lot of hipster poking in <laughs> the course film. Of course, yeah. yeah. But it's. it's- I-, I didn't find the first that particularly that funny. And no. I didn't, but that, that said, I didn't I did. find... I, re- but I know I, you I think did. that's more my sort of generation. But having said that, I didn't find the sequel any more or less funny than the first one, so I think it's kind of on par, and I think fans will be well served by yeah. it. Fans will be fine with it. It's not Anchorman 2. It's a lot better than that. Number two. <sighs> Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road Chip. How was this made? Four million... Two hundred ninety-six thousand and two hundred ninety-one. I I don't know. I don't think it particularly works for anyone above the age of say six. It's half term. Um, well, yeah, yeah, it will make money on half term. It is more of the same. It's not as bad as Squeakwell or Chipwrecked, though. I'll give it that. Great, great puns, not good films. Great puns, not yeah. not quite as on the nose as Go Monk Yourself, which was actually the tagline <laughs> for the Squeakwell. Um, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't laugh. I wasn't endeared by. It. And I'm a Chipmunks fan. But uh, I, I, it's got some songs in it and dancing. That's kind of it. Number one. Hey, yeah, I wanna shoot, baby. Shoot. We love that, don't we? Deadpool. Deadpool. <laughs> this is all anyone's talking about this week. 
Yeah, and, and this deserve, is all over. It really every is. Every single news site. It's made all the money. How much did they make in the UK last okay. week? Um, just under fourteen million. Of course, it did. Wor- yeah. wor- worldwide, uh, two hundred and fifty million dollars. Because R-rated superhero films apparently won't make any money. That's so, what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah apparently, Wolverine Three is going to be R-rated now. I know how crazy is that. It is funny, it is biting, it is witty, it is on the nose. It knows it's daft because it literally tells you it's daft. And because there's fourth wall breaking it and knows there's it's meta texting. It, it knows the books. It does. You can see the love of the actual filmmakers. And I yeah, think Ryan Reynolds, yeah. his passion for the project does show because Ryan Reynolds has yeah. literally never been this entertaining. Except true. maybe yeah. in waiting, but that's really it. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of fun with it. I was yeah. su- more than sufficiently entertained by it, I would say. It's a film I can't wait to see again and again. I really want... This is going to be the ultimate guys' night film, I think, in one sense. Oh, but totally, also, yeah. but that's not to imply that women won't enjoy it because women seem to love it as much as guys do. The screen I was in was seemed to be like kind of predominantly female. There is <laughs> One, there is one it. sizable aspect to Ryan Reynolds' performance which apparently seems to have caught on with the fairer sex. And, they, yeah, let's, let's not go there on, yeah. on radio. But uh, If you've seen the film... <laughs> you've seen the film, you, you probably, know. Yeah. You've seen the film, you know. And if yeah. you haven't, it, it's hanging. That that sequel is a-coming, people. That sequel is a-coming, deservedly yeah. so. And that, that green light was pressed so rapidly. Oh, God, yeah. But also yeah. on the film news yeah. front, apparently Stephen Lang is lobbying for the role yeah, of is. Cable. He is, and he's got so much kind of fan support as well. It looks just like him. He does, yeah. but also Ron Perlman wants it. Of course Kevin Nash wants it. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Could you imagine this? I think Kevin Nash is the size of Cable. <laughs> I, it, yeah. I, you know what? If it's between, just get one of those three. I'd be happy. Any one of them, I'm good. Yeah, just just go and get them. Or you know, Kira Knightley. She's or, got she's got range. K- Kira Knightley. I don't get that one myself, but okay, F- fair play. Let's talk about Freeheld then. I think this is our last one for the week. It's Freeheld is, Freeheld's yeah. Freeheld's last one. Okay, so this is uh, this is Juliet Moore's stab at the Oscar for the year. It didn't quite pan out. She's got one from last year. She she's got fine. one last year. She's, she's good. And so this is based on the true story of Laurel Hester, who was a New Jersey detective who in 2002 was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And, uh, well, it, unfortunately, none of her colleagues knew that she was also gay and that she had a live-in partner, who in the case of this movie is played by Ellen Page. And what then ensues is a legal battle when it emerges that because gay marriage wasn't legal at the time, but um, but civil partnership was, civil partnership didn't entitle the partner to uh, to receive the, the pension of the deceased. And so a legal battle ensues whereby Laurel goes to court, well not to court, she, she appeals against the decision of the Freeholders Council with the support of a gay legal activist played by Steve Carell to ensure that her girlfriend Stacy gets her benefits when she inevitably croaks. Here's a clip. Sweetheart, I am going to need you to be available for interviews. Lots and lots of interviews. This is going to be a national news story. Stephen, it seems to me that you're using my case to promote your cause, gay marriage. That is exactly what I'm doing. This is the case that I've been waiting for, that I've been dreaming of. This is going to put this issue in the national spotlight, is going to turn the tide for gay marriage. My fight is not about marriage. It's about equality. It's about a cop getting the benefits. Not about marriage. Are you kidding me? I'm sorry. I just, I'm very passionate about this. If you were married, and not this second-class citizen domestic partner crap, but married, there wouldn't be an issue. Stacy would be entitled to your benefits. 
Hell, if you and I got married tomorrow, I'd be entitled to your benefits. Is that a proposal? First and foremost, that there is there is a serious narrative issue at the heart of this film, which is it asks us to invest in a relationship which it doesn't bother to flesh out. So we're introduced to Laurel and Stacey around about the same time. They meet at a volleyball game, they go on a date, there's half a sex scene, and then we just kind of get to the plot of Laurel being terminally ill. And you think, but, yeah, but you've not really given us... There's no investment in this relationship whatsoever. It's kind of just, she's there and that's it. Mm. And there's a lot of superfluous material in there as well. There's one point when uh, the Ellen Page, the Stacey character, goes for uh, a job interview at a, at a garage and has to do a competition, see how quickly she can put a tire, a change a tire. You're thinking this adds nothing to this plot. What does this have to do with the, with a pint of uh, the price of a pint of milk? This has absolutely nothing to do with anything ever. What what are the chipmunks up to? We're just if we can throw anything in there, you know. And that's the problem. It's also surprisingly dull. And only really comes to life in the three scenes that have Steve Carell in them. Steve Carell just injects this much-needed, really flamboyant camp energy into it. You can hear it in the clip. Oh, it's fantastic, seriously, you know. And he's great. There's a line, incidentally, which directly follows that clip, which will have you howling with laughter. And it will be the only time you laugh in the whole film. Um, Steve Carell and Michael Shannon. Both terrific in it. I forgot Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon's in it. He is Laurel's partner, her actual cop partner, was Stacey (laughs) played by Ellen Page, is her life partner. And uh, Michael Shannon, great in it, really great, great turn. And he does have something of uh, something of a moving arc in a sense, but it's a very subtle and unspoken arc. And I really, really liked his take on it. Um, Julianne Moore doesn't read. I mean, although it's a great performance, it's Benedict Cumberbatch syndrome. Were you thinking? It's imitation game. We we, we kind of know that you can do this. We we know you're a great actress, and you're not really pushing yourself in this regard. Particularly after having seen Still Alice, because there's a lot of crossover in terms of the terminal illness aspect of it. Yeah, sort of thematically Uh, similar. Ellen Page is a little bit wasted, kind of just gets to look an awful lot like Johnny Galecki and do some lip quivering. Um, I was disappointed by it. Uh, it was directorially, it's a very stilton affair. I can't even remember who directed it. I'm not sure. I'm going to have a look. I wasn't that interested by it, but it's not our film of the week anyway. Oh, what a shocker. Well, I, think we what know is? What, I think we know what our film is. Well, you and I agree on what the film of the week is, and you've only seen one film. So Even if I'd seen 20 films, this would be my film of the week. Yeah, Bone Tomahawk is our film of the week. What a ride. Yeah. Uh, Given that this is a first-time director who has made this film for next to nothing, I cannot implore you all, highly enough, go out, see this film. It's inevitably going to be at whatever your nearest art cinema is. So in our case, I think that's Curzon. It's Curzon of a showroom for yeah. us. Yeah. Go to Curzon and see this, <laughs> and, and you will love it. You will be blown away by this film. But uh, I, I was, I'm staggered really by was, how yeah. good this was. So, well, next week we've got some interesting stuff what as, we as well. Oh, well, next <laughs> next week uh, sees The Other Side of the Door, starring Sarah Wayne Callies. Uh, a bit of a horror. Bit of a horror. Uh, horror goes Hindi, really, because it's kind of a, it's set in India, a bit of a Hindi okay, flair yeah. to it. Uh, we've got Secret in Their Eyes, which is yet another shelved Chewy Tell Edgy of Thriller. Yeah, that's weird. How come, many, on, come on, Chewy. How many of these did he rack up before he got an Oscar nom? <laughs> I don't know. We've got King Jack, which is an indie film I know very little about. We've got The Forest with Natalie Dormer. Natalie Dormer does Japanese horror. So we've got indie horror, Japanese horror. Was it J-horror? Was that the term? J-horror was the we'll thing, We'll go with it? J-horror, yeah. Yep. Uh, we've got the documentary The Propaganda Game next week. Richard Gere is the benefactor. Yep. Yeah. And because we all demanded it, Keanu Reeves has done a near-directed DVD action film called Exposed. 
Although I'm looking forward to when we get to the intro, we say this week, Keanu Reeves is exposed. exposed. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody laugh. Yeah, so we've got all those to come and more next week off screen. This has been the Candy Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. Case Allen. And we'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast extras, then, Mr. Allen. Podcast extras. Hello. Oh, oh, you know what we didn't talk about? I mean, there's a couple really interesting things. Uh, First Mm. of all, did you hear this about Danny McBride? Yeah. Yeah. Alien. Weirdest thing ever, isn't it? Oh man. Danny McBride's in talks to star in Alien Covenant, the Prometheus sequel. He's gonna have like some cornrows, like he does in *He's Bound Down*. Oh, I hope so. So good. I was (laughs) funny. I was thinking recently. Danny McBride's disappeared, hasn't he? Yeah. And he's gonna go sci-fi. He's gonna go sci-fi. Okay. Fair enough. Because you know, Jonah Hill did a bit of a leap in that regard. He went to sort of Scorsese territory. Well, all that kind of pack of yeah, moving on to like the dramas or the diversifying. That's what they're doing. Diversifying. So, of course, the the, the funniest news of the week is a certain video game which is doing the rounds. (laughs) And I love this. I know you're a fan as well. I certainly am. It's called Leo's Red Carpet Rampage. (laughs) And you can find this at is it redcarpetrampage.com? It is. is. This is a free game. It's on redcarpetrampage.com. And you can play this on an iPhone or on a computer. And you are Leonardo DiCaprio and you have to race down the red carpet to win your Oscar. And you face challenges along the way. Like you fight end of level bosses like Steve Jobs, The Martian, and The Danish, Danish Girl, Girl yeah. all played by their actual actors. There's a bonus level with the, the Quaalude Ferrari sequence yeah. from Wolf of Wall Street. There is an act harder segment. Is there an act harder? You just have to like keep tapping the screen, and he gets more and more intense. There is, and yeah. there's also my favourite bonus round, which is Spot the Black Nominee. <laughs> which which I think is so brilliantly on the nose. You can win like year. SAG awards and yeah. BAFTAs. You like jump up and get a BAFTA. Check this out. It's by Line Animation. You can play it for free at redcarpetrampage.com. We're big fans of it. I've been playing it on the iPhone yeah. for the last couple of days. It's probably just helped his campaign all I, the more. I think it has. Yeah. It's going to be weird when he actually does win that Oscar, but which I, I hope happens. I do hope happens. Don't jinx it. Not jinxing. Um, oh, oh, have you heard this? Uh, Nick Fury is going to be in Thor Ragnarok. I have is heard that. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson is finally cool. going to appear in a Thor movie. Yeah, because he's not. Well, he, he he's in the, the he's he's in the yeah, end credit of, button of the first of the Thor. first one, yeah, with Stellan. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, we've got old Stellan and that weird <laughs> moment where he's possessed by uh, Tom Hiddleston, even though it's never really brought up again, except for that one time. Yeah, we don't, we don't need to talk like, about it. It's, did, it's happened. Did that subplot ever have a resolution? Like, I think he was just setting up Avengers, but it, it didn't though. So Loki was inside <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård, and then the next time yeah. we see Stellan Skarsgård, he's perfectly fine, and then Loki appears through the portly thing. Come on, man. Avengers happened two years after that, and everyone liked it, so let's just leave it at that. Fine. Fine. You know what? Fine. If you're going to be like that, fine. <laughs> okay. uh, Todd McFarlane has announced, not Seth McFarlane, the other one, Todd. Yeah. Who, Spawn. No, no related. Sp- uh, no relation. Spawn's Todd McFarlane. Yeah. Um, he has revealed that his script for the actual reboot movie of Spawn is completed. That is actually something that can now be made. Is there an audience crying out for this? Spawn has its fans, I know, but after the last time, does anyone care? Well... Again, I think this is the Deadpool thing. Yeah. Now that an R-rated superhero film has come out and has made 
all of the cash. Yeah. Studios have just been like, oh yeah, we'll finally make that Lobo film and we'll, we'll make a film of the boys. And, you know we oh, are getting yeah, that Danny Trejo as Lobo movie now. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> be so, well, it was going to be Dwayne Johnson. I know it was going to be at one point, but uh, yeah, I, I would go for... Danny McBride would make a good Lobo. Actually, in a strange yeah, way, I could see that after, happening. After Alien, after, after Alien, Alien, after Alien. So, uh, speaking of R-rated comedies, uh, our idiot brother co-stars Paul Rudd and Steve Coogan, yeah. and I always forget they were in that film together. I quite enjoy that film. Yeah, I, I hadn't. I didn't see it until last year. I just never got round to seeing it. And then one day so I was flicking ago. through the library, and it was there. Yeah, I'm going to watch I that. Like he's got a dog that's called Willie Nelson. Yeah, it's my favorite thing. <laughs> but uh, so, so Steve Coogan and Paul Rudd are going to play a married couple mm. in a comedy called An Ideal Home, in which Steve Coogan's grandson turns up to ruin their lives. Okay, I can cool. I can get on board with that. Yeah. Totally, yes, that's cool. But uh, oh, we we should uh, we should of course talk about uh, a certain movie that we're both excited for. <laughs> So Baywatch is coming, of course. And, uh, well, wouldn't you know it, Hannibal Buress has joined the cast. He's Comedian. very, very funny. He is very funny. You yeah. haven't seen Daddy's Home, have you? No, I've seen a lot of the other little comedies that he's popped well, up he in. Well, he plays a sort of scene-stealing character called Griff in, uh, in, in, in Daddy's, Daddy's Home, home yeah. who Mark Wahlberg just brings home randomly. And cool. Great character. Yeah. So Hannibal Buress is going to play a Malibu local, just one of the community locals who gets involved nice. in the plot, right. which I'm, I'm looking forward to. I think that's really that great. Good. I just watched one of his stand-ups on Netflix. He's got a new one out, hasn't he? Yeah, I watched one of the older ones, but I'm, I'm going to work my way through I think he has got something. Maybe it's next week I think it's out. The new one. No, it's out. It's Is it out now? It's out, oh. but I'm, I'm going to watch it in a couple of weeks. But wait, there's more. <gasps> Double Baywatch. Double Baywatch. <laughs> so you remember a while back we said that about Priyanka Chopra from TV's Quantico, yeah, yeah. a former Bollywood actress who's now gone Hollywood. Mm. Um, she was in talks for a role, and then we, we didn't never, know what we, it was. Didn't yeah. do anything about it. No, Turns out she's now gotten that role. What is it? She's the villain. No way. She's going to be the villain. We've got a villainess. We've got a villainess. Nice. To a, I like the idea of a Baywatch movie having a girl villain. Like, okay, that's a cool. Baywatch, I like bad that. A, yeah. a, a bad Baywatch babe. Yes, cool. I love this. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what else we've got then. We've got to talk about... Uh, oh, we didn't talk about the Reverend winning the BAFTAs. We didn't. It, it won a lot. It owned the BAFTAs, didn't it? Yeah. It was the most, the, the uh, highest number of awards um, with... Was it Fury Road came second? Uh, yeah, Fury so. Road won six. It was all like the kind of techie awards. Stephen uh, Fry got in trouble for saying something about one of his friends. Did you hear about this? Oh, yeah, she said she dressed like a bag lady, but she was yeah. a costume designer, so it was meant to be kind of ironic. Yeah, and also they're like really, really good mates, so it was kind of oh, like Oh, they were selfieing joke. on Twitter. Yeah. Is selfieing a term? Self- well, they were doing they, selfies? They were they doing were, selfies. They were doing selfie stuff. Yeah. That sounds bet, wrong, doesn't it? Yeah. A lot but, of people were very kind of annoyed with him. And, yeah. And then he was like, well, and then he, I'm, hey, I'm going to leave Twitter. <laughs> yeah, because that's how you punish people. Yeah. yeah I'm going to, well, see you later. See you later. I'm going to quit Twitter so, now. Yeah. Which is, that, that's totally a punishment. Yeah. Do you know what? I wish some of my family members would do that. <laughs> Just, I'm off. See you later. I'm off. Uh, Kingsman 2, have you heard about this news? They've got a script, haven't they? For They've got two. a script. Um, they have someone in talks to play their big bad. Go on, who is it? I don't know this one. Julianne Moore. Ooh, mm. that's that's interesting. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah, I get on board with that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Of course, there was that news about uh, Wolverine being R-rated. We kind of covered that. And yeah. Do you think that'll work? Do you think an R-rated Wolverine? I think 
they're shoehorning it so Deadpool will show up in that film. Yes, I, I think that, that's kind I will of not be surprised if that film is now pushed back a little bit to alleviate for Ryan Reynolds's ever-increasing yes. schedule, and then he can film a couple of scenes. Have you heard what Ryan Reynolds is doing on the back of Deadpool, though? He's going to Mars. He's going to Mars. He's going to star. And we talked about this a while back. Uh, <laughs> it was three mm. or four weeks ago. Something like that. This is a film called Life. He's going to star Rebecca Ferguson. And it's written by the writers of Deadpool, so Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese. Who did uh, Zombieland. Who did Zombieland. Yeah. And they've written this film, which is about um, a team of astronauts who bring a sample back from Mars, only to find out it's alive. And Ryan Reynolds is in talks to, to join that as well. So this this is shaping up to be pretty interesting. Yeah. And we might actually get a movie star out of Ryan Reynolds yet. I think it's happening. Do you think it's happening? I Do you think we might think actually happening. get a movie star at Ryan Reynolds? Yeah. Oh, man. We just need Justin Long now. Justin Long kind of, kind of make good on it can all be that Ryan Reynolds' is, like, little brother. Little I'm, I'm going back brother. to the fact the pair of them were in Waiting together. Yeah, Waiting's um, an alright film. I love Waiting. Yeah. It's one of my favourite movies. So, yes, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, as you've just pointed out to me. Kurt Russell is now confirmed. He's confirmed. It's, it's happening. It's happening, people. Star-Lord's daddy. Uh, it's happening. We've got some other people as well for that film. Yeah, who, who else was there? Was there? Um, uh, Pom... Paul Clementif. She was the first name they announced on that. Uh, yeah, well, she's been like fully confirmed, and she is the only kind of character that we know. She's going to be playing Mantis. Yes, I heard that. She's I say cool. that, but I'm not terribly familiar with. Them. I don't know the Guardians of the Galaxy universe really. Okay. Outside of the film, yeah, and, and the, the show, the animated series, which has spawned out because I'm a big fan of that animated series. Mm-hmm. I, I love the Groot and Rocket, and that's that show. Okay. Uh, we've uh, got a guy called Chris Sullivan who is in the Nick. I've not watched the Nick, but it's been on my list. That's he's, the he's Steven Soderbergh one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's he's a he's a big dude. He's a big fella, big beard, big guy. Okay, no um, clue. And also, um, Miss Elizabeth Debicki. Is she the one from Man from Uncle? Yeah, and uh, from the, Great Gatsby. The yeah, villain yeah. in Man from Uncle, isn't the, she? The blonde hair. Lady. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. the beehive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's cool. I like her. Yeah, she was quite cool, yeah. yeah. So, there's some people joining the, Guardians. Yeah. We just need to get Alicia Vikander in a Marvel movie now, and we're all good. Get Miss Marvel. Oh, actually, I'd, I'd like her as Miss Marvel. That would work. I want either her or... I've wanted Brie Larson for so long, but now she's getting all Oscars and stuff. Yeah, but did you want her for anything specific, or is that just more of a vague statement? <laughs> I, just, I just want her... <laughs> We all want Brie Larson in our own way. I got to see Room. I thought you were going to make a Room joke. <laughs> yeah, I got to see Room again the other day. Oh, did you? Yeah, Good. this was uh, th- this was. Uh, you know what? Just as good the second time. Yeah, uh, and I, I like Sean Bridges' portrayal of of uh, old, old Nick. Nick. Old Nick. A lot more, a lot more than I thought I did. Yeah. But uh, yeah, big fan of that. J- uh, Jacob Tremblay, amazing in that film. Absolutely. So good, so good. But I do think Brie Larson didn't she win a BAFTA? Yeah, she won the BAFTA best. She actress, wasn't there she? though. She wasn't there. She was uh, filming Kong. Oh, Australia. So, um, I would be there, but I'd yeah. much rather spend time with John Goodman. Is that's yeah, my answer to everything? Would. You, know, you know, if someone said to me like, "Hey, you want to go off copy?" Like, yeah, I would rather spend time with John Goodman. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would love to meet John Goodman. You would, wouldn't you? He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Alan Frank has told me on many occasions, John Goodman is a damn nice chap. A damn nice chap. Damn nice. nice a damn nice chap and a funny fellow. A funny that, fellow. Direct quote from Alan Frank. A damn nice chap and a funny fellow. I can imagine him just being like his character on Roseanne. Just being Dan. Yeah, like I could just, sort of picture that yeah, too. Yeah, that'd be good. But uh, it, it's nice to know that that John Goodman is a nice guy, though. Because you, you want him to be. Oh, yeah, it would yeah. it would it would destroy you inside, wouldn't it? If, if John, yeah. John Goodman were not a nice man. Like, I'm cool with Harrison Ford being Harrison Ford and being yeah. miserable. And I'm cool with Bruce Willis being... 
terrible not. in this movie. <laughs> yeah, just not being a very nice guy. But yeah, John Goodman. Anyway, on to an actor that we we know would just be awesome to meet, and neither of us will ever get the privilege, so Who's far this? as we know. But uh, we should leave you, of course, with our moment of cage. Of all the words written here about freedom, there's a line that's at the heart of all the others. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security. People don't talk that way anymore. Beautiful. No idea what you said. It means if there's something wrong, those who have the ability to take action have the responsibility to take action. I'm gonna steal it. <coughs> what? I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs>